0: It's the weekend, it is John Gibbons hosting, I'm joined by Neil Lackinson and Phil Blundell. Uh, for long-time listeners, uh, we normally do this on a Monday, but for a variety of reasons, we decided to d- move this uh, to Sunday night, largely just to take a bit of pressure off tomorrow. Uh, but we were half hoping, Neil, that we'd get a bit of a bonus from Spurs, uh, and we did. Um, Man City keep playing classics, uh, I saw you tweet before, it's the Adam thing, you don't want too many classic games in your season, and they keep doing them and keep throwing away leads and they can go mad at referees at the end all they want but how, quite how they got themselves
1: into that position I think they might have to look at themselves I think they might have to look at themselves as well the thing with classics as well by the way is that it's also sort of okay to keep getting stuck into classics if you're winning them but they're not winning the classics either And that would be the thing that will concern me all of a sudden uh, where I am Manchester City supporter. Listen, let's be crystal clear. They will still be favourites for the Football League and they should still be favourites for the Football League. But there is some sort of point where getting bogged down. They've now drawn consecutive home games. Um, they've also in midweek conceded two more goals at home on top of the three they've conceded here and the one that they conceded against Liverpool. Then before the international break there's the four that they conceded Chelsea And all of a sudden, things just are not that rosy. uh, And it isn't easy to appeal to rosiness. Rodri should be suspended for, for Wednesday night against Aston Villa at Villa Park, where Villa are excellent and have been so far this season. Won every home game since February. So... But at some point, that sort of run stops. Yeah, absolutely. It's not not going to happen forever. In the same way, that other run stop. Yeah. um, And it's worth sort of... (sighs) Like 10 in a row by two goals or more? Exactly, from a Liverpool point of view. So it's worth always having a sort of a level of sense and humility around that sort of thing. But the flip side of it is that... They're at the very least not having it all their own way, City. And I think that there was bits during the season where you thought they might do. I think it was certainly reasonable to think that they would do after four or five games. They were going to have it all their own way and go from there and everyone else was just playing for second. Listen, at some point City can just and probably will just win 11 out of 12. At which point everyone else has got to be well positioned to deal with it and also to be able to look at the league table the other side and not see it as a disaster. But the truth of it is this, that they are not imperious at this stage of time. They weren't imperious early last season. And they are getting bogged down in some bits and pieces of nonsense. And whilst that continues to happen, then there is hope for everyone else.
0: Yeah, the, the bogged down in nonsense thing is, is interesting, Phil, <laughs> You know, stuff like the referee and decision sort of right at the end which they're obviously absolutely furious with and and listen I get it you know in in that situation he's not sort of guaranteed to score I'd like to ask actually see to look at the line to be honest with you because obviously they don't look at it because what's the point but yeah. um but you know it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if, he, if he's sneaking offside but but anyway but those situations I think if it could sort of happen once it can it could you know galvanize you a bit and it could be sort of us be them and we've seen loads of teams in the past you know, get into those situations where where, where it helps you have a siege mentality and stuff like that. But in this instance, I'm sort of not sure. I'm not sure that's sort of going to happen, you know, in in this because it feels a bit more like it's not the big thing from the game even though you sort of want to make it. And by making it the big thing of the game, you can almost sort of not address, you know, what is going on, which is to keep throwing
2: away leads. They're They're not controlling games of football, I think. I always thought the big thing with Manchester City, and it wouldn't happen every game, like, for example, there was the... I think it was 3 all again, wasn't it? When... Did you did you 3 all with Spurs in 21-22, didn't they? Where, I think, Spurs were the 1-0 up and 2-1 up and then drew 3 all and equalised last... I think Kulusevski scored again. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he like, sco- he scored every season well. he's played at yeah, the yeah. And that... Short of that, they generally... Win against the big teams, it's usually, when you actually look at their points that they drop, it's by and large, like they lose at Wolves, that feels like the kind of game that they, is where they drop points, the big games, like they'll go to Chelsea and win, they'll beat us at home, they'll go to Arsenal and they'll win, they'll they'll beat these teams and that's where it is. And they stop doing that and it felt like that was such an advantage because it was like every six points that Manchester City had it felt like they have it like this season they've played Arsenal away they've played Chelsea away they've played Liverpool at home they've played Tottenham they got three points now that's not that isn't the Manchester City that I feel like has has existed in my world for the last five years like if you go back and say how many points would Manchester City get from those games I would say a minimum of 10 and that feels like that's what they've got every season I don't You know I can't. Like you look at you look at the year the year that they beat us to that title in horrific circumstances. Okay, they draw three three at home to Spurs, but they also score in injury time against them against Arsenal, don't they? I think they went fairly comfortably at Chelsea, and it's a two all draw draw at Liverpool. It's
1: eight points. Yeah,
2: it's it's they were. Much they were much better in those games and it, fe- it just feels like they have less control and what was they're ma- asking Rodri to do a lot I think well, that feels like the problem for me it's like they've gone he's dead good him he can sort this but the reason he's dead good isn't because you just give him everything to do and go you crack on mate it's because they've sort of managed it and like it's almost it's just him and Bernardo in midfield and Alvarez is doing a bit without being a midfielder and it just it just doesn't look right now they'll fix it because Guardiola's Guardiola but at the minute you know they they could come they could come back after that Club World Cup and be in their position where they're five, six points behind both Arsenal and Liverpool because you know they've got Villa in midweek away Liverpool and Arsenal play Luton and Sheffield United now you, you obviously have to play the games of football but if you were to say who's the most likely team to drop points there it's not Liverpool or Arsenal is it it's Manchester City
1: I think that the, the, the first and foremost, I think they are leaving Rodri too much to do, and the extent to which they miss Stones is hard to put into words. Like, he he helps Rodri so much. Got him one way. And then going the other way, I think that also Silver's sort of left. So Silver was brilliant against Liverpool, and I was really pleased, actually, in a sense that that was recognised and well written about, especially by Michael Cox, because I think he he sort of put better words around the thing that I was trying to say. But one of the problems with the thing that I was trying to say, and with what you see from Silver tonight, is he's almost left with too much to do himself. Yeah, You want him to be helping going this way, but you also need Worrying him... about other people as opposed to just looking after his own mm. game. Yeah, you need him coming back this way. And then also, you're not 100% that, for instance, players like Docker will make the right decision when you're calling upon them. And then you're doing big things like you're doing Lewis for... You know, you're doing Rico Lewis for Foden with 20 to go tonight. Which whilst I actually think that Rico Lewis came on and looked good, uh, you know, every time I saw him, I thought he was doing the right thing. And that's in theory to sort of, to release Bernardo Silva. It's just ultimately a little bit panicked and it's not an ideal scenario. And I'm, that's sort of where I am at the minute with City. And listen, I'll say again, there is every chance there is a run of games where they win 10 out of 11, where they win 16 out of 17, where that's the way in which it goes. And everyone else has got a cop for it. And you've got to sort of see where the table is after that happens. But, Game by game at the minute, we feel a little bit further away from that starting. And I think that that's what's currently quite interesting. They can prove us wrong, they can prove us wrong in seconds, because you've only got to look at the track record. And that's what happens, and that's what they're about. But at the moment, I just sort of feel like that it, there's a point where... I think you see it all the time. I think you can see it. There's like stuff under Klopp with Liverpool. I think there's stuff in all of football history where you're missing a couple of players through injury yeah, and for a period you make it work and then there's a bit of a half-life to it where it just gets a bit weaker the next week and it gets a bit weaker the week after and it gets a bit weaker a week after that and that's sort of where they've been at the minute with, with De Bruyne and Stones I think they're missing Both of them Stones I think Is a massive miss And, it, and he said it As soon as it happens And loads of the time People think he's Throwing Toffee out Or he's I don't think he is Because I don't think He's that sophisticated And I mean that As a compliment to him And that I think He very much lives In the moment yep. The manager so I think when he said that he was he was talking about what he was thinking and also he's he's the other thing he is, is he is a catastrophizer, and he knows what's on the horizon so he knows this run of games when Stones get an injury and he's like this is not fucking ideal we could really do with John Stones for this run of games. So I think there's an element to that. I think also in De Bruyne there's a point where I think the Alvarez thing has sort of worked for them in a couple of ways but what it's done is it's meant that they can't pick the moments for Alvarez, pick the moments for Foden, pick the moments for Bernardo Silva it's been a bit all hands to the pump and i think i think they're now really missing de bruyne because he does all these things really really well and what he means is you can he is in and of himself like stones he's a bit of a swiss army knife but what that means is you can get the best out of other people around him and the two swiss army knives that they're missing you know i don't think i think bernardo silver is like a glorious swiss army knife in the same way that stones and de bruyne are but weirdly, and I think he sort of should be by now in his career, Foden isn't, Grace Robertson's written something really good about Foden, which is worth reading, Alvarez isn't, Doku isn't, none of these are Swiss Army knives, and he very much has built this squad on the idea, I've got constant Swiss Army knives, and now the only one he's got, Bernardo Silva, and everyone else, sort of looks a little bit like a one-trick.
0: D- they've also not done loads of winning, Phil, and that's a mm. mad thing to say because you know you think well they won the treble last year, but but Doki wasn't there, you know. Foden was sort of you know in and out, and, and listen, he's got a lot of, of medals now, but you know he, he's never quite been a sort of a key part of the team in the way that you sort of expect him to to be now. Obviously, Rico Willie, Rico Williams, <laughs> no, Nico Williams, Rico, Williams? Uh, Rico <laughs> Lewis, you know, is he is, is a young player? Guardial, yeah, yeah, Guardial is new, and so. Listen, you'd always want new players, and what I think City have evolved really well under Guardiola in a way that um, you know he probably doesn't get enough sort of credit for I think I think the the way he's been able to adapt the team over the years. Um, you know, there's never been a, there's not been two city teams in the way that there's this Liverpool sort of two point no. zero. He's just sort of, you know, it's it evolved over time, like uh, like triggers broom uh, <laughs> to be sort of something that is now different, but but never kind of felt like his his second or, or even sort of third team, which he which he could be on now, and so. You know, as I say, he deserves credit for that. And what you do is that the, the old lads teach the new lads, sort of new ways. So I thought they would struggle when company left. St- for slash hoped <laughs> he'd struggle a little bit so when when people like company left Aguero, because I'm like these are big players and big personalities. David Silver as well, but but it never sort of quite happened. Uh, and part of the part of the reason for that is that it was never sort of all out one summer, and and it never felt like that anyway. All out one summer and all in with this sort of new team, and then and then you and then you almost sort of starting again. It felt like there was there was evolution all the time, and and the winners, you know, are there in key moments. But now it sort of feels like although they're in the squad, a lot of them sort of aren't about anything about that. I don't think they lose that game with the burning and Stones on the pitch, no. and that's not because I necessarily think they're. City's best players now I just think that they'd have found a way to
2: sort it do you know what I mean yeah so I slightly disagree and that I think they are probably City's two best players maybe not
0: I'm glad you disagree with like, that bit because that was the least important bit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything else, Everything else nailed it. I just think the two of them are really good and if you take the two of them out, it's a, it's a huge drop off. I think the interesting point's about people waiting to step into roles and mm. I sort of look at it now and it feels like the people in the roles, are the, they're obviously there. You've got Bernardo, you've got Haaland, you've got Rodri, you've got uh, De Bruyne, Stones and maybe Diaz as well. And that's a core That's a core six that is sort of, it's, it's there then if you look after that and you think, well, where in like two years time, they might not be there. Who's stepping up? It just, it felt like if you went back two or three years, there would be someone like Bernardo could step into the Gundawin role, for example, which is probably a, doing Bernardo a bit down a bit on what he was doing two years ago, but it felt like he sort of stepped up and became the senior, the senior pro in that respect. Whereas now, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, who is that Who is that person there? This feels a bit like we're doing a weird obituary of Manchester City, but we're not, are we? Because they're yeah. still a fantastic football team. But they're still favourites for the title. Exactly. I've just checked. They are five to six for the title, which is so you know,
0: the bookies think they're more later. to yeah,
2: yeah absolutely And I know what yeah <laughs> didn't even have to text you this <laughs> yeah, time you didn't I like, like
0: was up the wall with that yeah, last yeah. man
2: standing yeah yeah and I was, trying, you... I was trying to explain hedge to him and it was a fucking nightmare with hand
0: puppets honestly <laughs> <laughs> honestly I was, there was diagrams
2: there was actors involved there were voiceovers there was all kinds of stuff and it's it like was come on John like, is it it's on the not... big show where they got do the the jacuzzi to do it that's yeah. what we needed you
1: got Robbie O'Neill instead
2: Take it. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. It sort of doesn't feel like they're the invincible force. Like, is this three games in a the row they haven't won? now? because it was Chelsea's last game before the international three NBA, league games. a That's yeah. That's what. That's that's what it meant. What? It's, what matters? Yeah. You know, Leipzig and what was effectively terrible. But when they went two 0 down as well, by the way. No, the, so actually, not bringing it back. The two 0 down was important, but at the same time, it was it was a weird game of football because they were through and they... they but it's, to, back to the, idea but the same classic. Time, they were exploitable in that yeah. game. Exploitable? Is that a word? Yeah, a word yeah, it's it? yeah. Um, You could see how they got at them and the first goal spares score. It's not a carbon copy of those two goals but at the same time, there was two men running at Tottenham, it felt like. Yeah, two men running at Manchester City and I sort of, I think we talked about this in the Friday show, didn't we, about what a Tottenham goal would look like and Tottenham went one and up and I think pretty much exactly the way we talked about like Tottenham could go one and up like you turn them around you get the wrong side of them and the thing about getting the wrong side that I found really interesting and it was the same same with us as well is it felt like you could get round Rodri a lot easier than you used to be able to like there was the one where we passed it round really nicely and Curtis Jones sort of spins him and Harlan gets back in and wins the ball off him but the football isolate him and then Curtis Jones just turn around and was great and I, I, there were a few times Spurs did that today and that comes back to the thing about him possibly asking him to do too much because I don't think that was happening last year or the year. That, before. But the other thing I think as well is that sides might actually have a bit of a Rodri plan and that's
1: something which was always going to come because. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because football managers are very intelligent people. They are. And football analysts are oh. intelligent people. And people talk and they work something out. And, and then then once someone, one person's worked it up, they can watch it. Exactly. Because everyone can watch everything these yeah. days. Again, I will say again, the Rodri thing to point out is he is the best one by a million miles at oh, what he does. Not even, not, I don't even think it's close. I, don't by think, the it's way. Close. I don't think it's close. I think it's the do same reckon, as.
2: Do you reckon he might be best than anybody else in their respective positions? The second best? I I think he is.
1: So I think it's the same as it was with Van Dyke 2018, 2019. I think it's that much of a goal. Yeah. But what that means, we over a period of time, people begin to go, okay, that's the reality, so therefore what do we do about it? And I think there's a little thing that you can do about it, which is you go at him a little bit more. It's counterintuitive. The same thing happened with Nemanja Matic, when Nemanja Matic looked like he was very difficult to deal with for an extended period, and what people decided to do was actually to play the ball into the area he was around, therefore commit him one way or the other, except you might lose it, yeah. And most of the time yeah. you will lose it But on the times where you don't Suddenly you've taken them out of the game
2: And you go aside And Gravenberg does the same thing for the Liverpool I goal I think the accepting you lose it thing Is a really interesting thing Because I think I think teams played Manchester City in the past With a fear of tell you what lads If we lose this we're in trouble Whereas now it feels like we. I mean we did this a lot last weekend And I think Tottenham did it a lot today I think Leipzig did bits of it I think Chelsea did bits of it as well And alright we're talking about Largely good teams here but they all felt like they were prepared to lose to get someone out of the game. And I think yeah. that's how you have to approach it. you basically got to go, these are good, but they're not perfect. And what do we do? And it sort of feels like, you know, I mean, I'm, I Guardiola will sort this, and I feel like we are possibly going a little bit over the top. In no, some just, it's, it's a step over but the top, but at it's the the worth same pointing time, it out. It, it looks, they look as vulnerable as they have for quite a long time and, I mean that's 8 goals conceded in 3 games and also yeah, and 10 also and 4 if you include the, the Champions League one, which is it's a lot for Manchester City that and it's also worth saying
1: that, that the Manchester City manager will sort it out because he is so good at this and this is also mm. the bit of the pitch he is so good at so there's some sort of point where it changes and suddenly they will look un- unimpeachable for six or seven games because no one will have the videos and then there'll be enough videos and people will begin to work something out because that's literally how it works. Yeah. And all the players are exceptionally good as well. So, you know, it's important not to get carried away. But the thing to point out is that right now, if you're Arsenal, you feel great. If you're Liverpool, you feel pretty good. Off the back of the day, you've got your 4-3. If there's a minor Liverpool point, to go back to the media thing, it is... Well, you've been involved in another classic. Yeah. You've won it, but you've been involved in it. But City now sit beneath both of those sides in the table. It's also, it's an
0: interesting one for Haaland. Haaland's fuming at the end, and I wonder how much of that is because of the chances he misses. And I think that's the case for all strikers. When we did, we talked about Nunes at Luton, and you talk about the chances that he misses, and you're like, and then I think... I think you pointed out or you spoke to someone and they pointed it out that it was quite similar to when City gets to go to Sheffield United but but Haaland gets the late one. Yeah. Well, today he doesn't. So he has the game that, that,
2: that, that Nunes has probably today That one well. on 1-1 a really bad miss as well. Yeah. like I, We were doing the post-match pints at the time and I was sort of, I was the only one who could sort of see the TV because of how I was positioned and I basically, he thought, I saw the ball go to Haaland and I sort of made a facial gesture that he went, Is that 2-1. That's that's how that that's, that's the best just, way because I was just to... like oh that's a goal yeah. and then it missed and he and it was like it, well, it's not two one that's yeah. it was a shocking miss
0: but it's an interesting one and and I wonder how much of the of his antics if you want to call him yeah. that and
2: he's he's been on Twitter he's been on the Twitter he yeah. has been on the Twitter friends, so that's, friends uh, fear he's on Twitter again friends fear he's getting banned by the FA <laughs> <laughs> um, how are we lining that one when, when, you know can we get him out there for for. Um, can we get him out there for for Villa? On is that too soon? <laughs> Do the FA wait Mondays? Did they take long weekends? I don't know. Maybe the the, the awards with us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they they're doing a bit. Neil Atkinson here. Weekend hosted by John is one of my favourite
1: shows to listen to and to occasionally be on uh, as we do them over the course of the season. It's a new show that we've actually put together this year and week after week I've found it fascinating, uh, the full reflection on the weekend as it's gone, uh, as presented to us by John. I just love receiving the agendas, to be quite honest with you. They always grab my imagination and then I look forward to the show itself. Uh, They happen every single Monday. We get them out there and produce them for you as much as we can, as quickly as we can, uh, around what's happened in that Premier League weekend. Uh, If you want more of this sort of thing do subscribe theanfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe uh, through apps through patreon you know how it works by now this is the Anfield Rap this is what we look to do it's not just a Liverpool based experience but it's always a Liverpool perspective yeah it's I don't know you you
0: like we've sort of all said really you can go to sort of overboard on these sorts of things but I think you know it is a real plus for Liverpool this weekend that, that they've got the win um that's Manchester City very much didn't, obviously Arsenal won at the weekend, but you sort of expect them to in, in that game, and they get to win there, currently top of the league, fair play to them, but Liverpool sitting pretty in, in second, um, we obviously haven't seen any of the other games yet, uh, Villa draws. was quite interesting, I thought they'd have won that, but they don't, um, the Chelsea 3, Brighton 2, Sounds a laugh, uh, we haven't seen a second of it, do uh, apologise if you want us to talk about that, but I guess we should talk about uh, Manchester United Football Club, uh, Neil, who I believe...
2: shut yourselves in. I believe be we're,
1: we're, were sorry last night. Would you call them a sorry state of affairs? You, you On this show, you tend to do a statement performance of the weekend, and I feel as though the statement performance of the weekend was Manchester United's. And because it's it was such a pure statement as to where they've been through the whole campaign... The race chart on Statsbomb ends the game with 2.54 to Newcastle United and 0.54 to Manchester United. To be clear, uh, Newcastle have their last shot on the 78th minute of the game, so they cannot rack up any more expected goals after minute 78. So at minute 78, it's worth pointing out. The race chart is 2.54 to Newcastle United and 0.17 to Manchester United. Newcastle were really good. And they were switched yeah. on and they were sharp and they were strong and they were quick. But the extent to which United have dropped, have basically dropped tools by 20 minutes is hard to put into words. With a couple of exceptions, I thought Sean Maguire played really, mm. really well.
2: So I've got a thing on Maguire. right? I think if he's playing well for Manchester United, it's indicative that Manchester United have a problem. I couldn't agree more. Because of how, how he fits into football teams is by being a deep-line defender who needs to defend for his life. And if Manchester United are doing that, that's a problem.
1: I couldn't agree more. I think that's. A, I think it's
2: actually a really smart point and it's worth putting... You know,
1: I genuinely do agree with it, but simultaneously... But he can only do what he has to do. Exactly, and also the game's there on his toes because all the other players, with the exception of Luke Shaw, who played for Manchester United, have fallen back. Yep. And they're also not interested. And for me, there's a really key thing in this where I just don't think they believe... So now at this point, United, the last time they beat a side that finished in the top 10 away from home was Fulham last season. And it was Fulham, and it was a last-minute winner. They have their record against the sides that finish in the top 10 away from home is downright scandalous. It is downright scandalous. Last season, they get beat 6-3. (laughs) 6-3 6-3 <laughs> I, 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 this shit matters they get and the beat... 3 was a last kick penalty in their yeah. favour wasn't it yeah. 6-3 at City they get beat 3-2 at Arsenal they get beat 2-0 at Newcastle 7-0 at Liverpool which by the way in of itself I would argue is a second offence they get beat <laughs> 1-0 at Brighton they get beat 3-1 at Aston Villa they draw 2 all with Tottenham Hotspur they get beat 4-0 at Brentford and as I say in the top 10 Fulham finished 10th and it finishes 2-1 to Manchester United. last kick. They draw with Palace, who finished 11th, 1-1, and they draw with Chelsea, who are a mess, who finished 12th. They beat Wolves, who finished 13th, 1-0, but they lose to West Ham United, who finish 14th, 1-0. That is their away record under this manager last season. You look at this season so far, they've lost at Arsenal, they've lost at Newcastle now, but they were they were absolutely undressed. They got beat at Spurs, and they've lost at home to City 3-0, and it could have been any score City wanted, and Brighton beat them 3-1 also in their own ground. That's currently what the record is against the sides who are knocking around the sort of top 10. Now, don't get me wrong, Chelsea have won today. Chelsea leapfropped back into, te- in, into 10th, but Brentford, um, they beat Brentford 2-1, but it was two injury-time goals. one down on 92 or something. This... It's hard to put into words, but the thing I got to see last night was what it looks like when some footballers, and I think Rashford is the biggest example, do not believe for a second they are winning the game. Yeah. He he doesn't even think they're competitive. Mm. He doesn't think there's a chance. And it isn't just him. And there's two or three others yesterday that you get to see it as the game sort of plays out who just look like, you know, Martial is ramming with him on the pitch. And I just think, in loads of ways, listen, footballers should not be not putting it in. And I actually think that there's a, there's three or four players who play for United, Jesse, who don't put it in. So let's be clear, you should always fucking put it in. But I think they're turning around to the manager going, you are setting us up to look like fucking divvies. Yeah. And I don't want to look like a fucking divvy. Why is this this hard? Why can't we get any possession? Why can't we get a shot? Why can't we get the ball in their half? Why can't we play through the thirds? And I think it is as straightforward as the footballers are going. And and listen, footballers can kid a crowd. But also, I, I would argue, you can't kid a crowd in the long term. I think that managers can kid some sets of footballers and sometimes you kid some sets of footballers and it just works for you for a period because they believe and it moves forward. You know, I think Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool is a really good example of someone who kidded a set of footballers. And this makes me feel like I'm being really harsh in that he does it for two years. Most football managers don't manage that. Like most football managers are one way or another. They're trying to sell constantly a bit of fool's gold somewhere because the whole thing's a bit of a blag yeah. it really is you know it's dead hard and different players are at different levels and different fitness levels also where when you play teams and injuries are a factor there's so many moving parts but there's a bit of fool's gold gold in it and i think that at the minute with united i think that ten Hag can convince them to hang on in to get a last minute winner away at fulham and they all buy in, and they all graft, and then Bruno Fernandes pops up at 89 and puts it bottom corner. I don't think he can kid them that it's working that way against Newcastle when they're getting blammed. And the footballers the footballers won't be kidded because they're like, hang on, these are running all over the place. He's doing this, he's doing this. And and the thing that I support to say is, well, you should also run harder. But he's like, but the way he's told me to run is not fixing this problem. We're still get they 're still getting in i 'm fucking grafting and they 're still getting in so i 'll just stop grafting yeah and i 'm watching united honestly for me it 's the statement performance of the weekend, and the reason why is because I thought it was a statement as to exactly where man United are, which is when the going gets tough it isn 't even as simple as they can 't get going it 's that they don 't believe they should get going because they don 't think it 's going to work i <laughs> at the radio on in the
0: in the week in the build up to when we went to city. And there was a bit of, like, oh, well, Liverpool are uh, having this great season, United are, are struggling, but if Liverpool lose at City and United win, then they'll only be three points behind them. And it was all that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, even if that happens, which it didn't, mm. by the way, like, are you trying to kid? It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Are you trying to kid? Because, you know, you can have a run of fixtures where you're in a slightly false position positively or a slightly false position sort of negatively, really. But, you know, is any, I, I, I felt like ringing up and going, is anyone seriously thinking that Manchester United are going to finish above Liverpool, because even if the games are winning, you're like, they're just sort of not, and it was interesting to hear Neil talk there about being able to get behind something and being able to get behind sort of what you're trying to do, and, you know, is he trying to stick with, is he trying to stick with what he he wants, or is he being, you know, is he adapting to, to the players he's got, because the problem, you know, you talked there about, you know, if Maguire looks your best player, then you're in trouble, and I agree with that, but also, he he tried to move the team past Maguire not just because I don't think he thinks he's a good defender but because he's what he's trying to do but you know you see them last night sort of trying to you know, still play it out, and they just sort of can't. And you're like, well, if you, if you throw in, if you throw Maguire and, and Short in, then maybe you just need to defend a little bit better, or not defend better, but but you know, play a little bit sort of more differently and things like that. And so you you sort of going back, you've gone back to Maguire, McTominay, mm-hmm. these lads. So you've gone back, but you haven't sort of adjusted what you what you sort of trying to do really. And we talked before about injuries and how you can be a bit unlucky with injuries. We talked about it from City. I think you. know, uh, injuries happen, but injuries, the key players who, who are crucial in what you're trying to do, I think, I think sort of do matter more. And so I feel a little bit sorry for him. But also, we've said it before, I just think he's a bit of a bell end and he's, and he's picking fights with people and stuff like that. And, and you can say it's, it's, oh, it's good, you know. And I've said a few times people say, oh, oh, you know, we've asked, you know, say, wait, you know, United fans, you know, they wanted someone to come in and be a bit hard line. And they've said, oh, there's all these prima donnas, and you need someone to sort it. And he's come in and tried to be tough and stuff like that. But. And then people moan. And that's all well and good. But I think... I was thinking about it last night when I was seeing Ratchford being all petulant. And I was like, there's a chance he thinks Jaden Sancho's sad. Like, they play for England yeah. together. Uh, the... They're not you know, that far away in terms of age. And and and, upbringing and and by that I mean, you know, geographically, you know what I mean? There's, there's a chance that it when J Sancho come Rashford was like, i fucking made up here. He's fucking great. He's he's class in England. I really got on with him. I maybe room with him brilliance and stuff like that. Yeah. And then now he's eating his dinner in a fucking in a in a top of box rack. on a fucking corridor. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. And you know and so there's all there's all that really that it just doesn't look like they've got any personality as
2: a, as a, as a team. Mm. I think th- personality is the, the key one for me. Like, it's absolutely the key thing. You look at them and go, which of those players do you want to be in the trenches with? And they are, I'm, I'm looking at it in players they've signed and I'm thinking, right, so maybe Johnny Evans, which is a mad one in itself, isn't <laughs> it? I mean, I know it was. there's technical reasons based on the rules why you sign someone like Johnny Evans. That's fine. Then you're looking at maybe Lysanzo Martinez. And then I'm going back to the summer before and I'm on Sancho, doesn't appear to be in Varan, Ronaldo, that was the ones the season before. Ronaldo's got off. Varane is being binned because he's the fans are on to him like he's got he's got nothing about him. But there's two signings there in the last those two summers, Varane and Cashmero, which are basically like he's played for Real Madrid and one loads him. Let's sign him. Without any sort of sideways thinking about how that works in reality. And what the reality is is those two have played loads of games every year for a decade at the highest level and that's a With loads a of wear and tear because they're massive games. But also they've been playing in massive games and now they're in the Manchester United team trying to come top four and they're like, I'm getting paid here either way and I don't really care. My career's not going up for me and what's the point? And it's just... it's. They make so much bad judgment after bad judgment. Like, I'm going back here and I'm looking at the signings. I'm on 2020, 2021 20, here. There's Van der Beek for 39 million. There's Ahmad Diallo for 20 million. Alex Tellers, 15. Palestri, 8.5. Cavani for free. Cavani was probably an all right signing. And I'm, then I'm back at 19. Maguire, 87. Bruno Fernandes, 65. wan Basaka, 55. You're going back five years and you're looking at how many of these signings have been good. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, I'm back to 2018 here. I reckon I can count them all on one hand. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is they keep signing footballers who are either bad or don't work out, which, okay, you can sort... Some not working out transfers you can predict, but some of them are like, well, it didn't work out this way. Like, personally speaking, if you'd have said to me, shall I sign Rafael Varane? I'd have gone no. Like... I personally could have predicted. No, you work no. out. far Whereas some of them, some just don't work out. accident. So like I think, for example, you got. I'm looking at back at sixteen, seventeen, and they've signed Paul Pogba and Henrik Mkhitaryan. Like that's they've lost 150 million euros on those, and I don't think they were particularly bad ideas. I think they're both good players who could have, in the right circumstance, offered quite a lot, but they don't work. Whereas, some of the signings they've got, you're like, Is that what, you what need are you doing? What director? are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. Because actually, not what they've you talk got. about some of the players there, someone needs to step in on Andy. Yeah.
0: And goes like, listen, I know yeah. you're knowing, but for this sort of money. I can like they, we can we can get better. Here's 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 what you think he's good. at. here's three lads who we we were better than uh, at them and all of that. You pick one. Well, I know they play different
2: positions, but we've just played um, Fulham. We've been watched Liverpool, Fulham. Andres Pereira is playing in midfield for for Fulham. They've sold him for what ten million quid, something like that. Are you telling me that he is seventy million pounds <laughs> inferior to Anthony? He's just not like. I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he's going to revolution. Wouldn't revolutionise Manchester United if he was playing for them. But he'd probably be all right and do a job relative to Anthony, who is at best all right and doing a job. A good
1: example and there's reasons why Spurs are able to do it, but Kulusevski is a million and a
2: half times better. And they could sign Benson yeah
1: and there's there's a bit of this where you can sort of go through and keep going today Leon Bailey's been good for Villa you know, do you know what I mean a lot of this stuff is not rocket science and I don't want to do a Brighton thing or a Brentford thing I'd Kudos rather score for so that today. was the one I was about to go to which is that everyone everyone kno- knew he was boss everyone knows Kudos as boss <laughs> and, but also he comes in at half the price as you, as you sort of wear on but I think it's more than just that I think Phil's point on recruitment's absolutely spot on but I think it's more than just that at the minute as they sit there they sit for 7th at the time of talking, um, they have, this season, you go down the list, they have played five games against the teams that are in the top ten. They've lost all five. Um, they've also lost to Crystal Palace at home. You're yeah, in a situation where that's it. They played 14, won eight, lost six. and we're, we're getting closer and closer to the point that I like in a season where I do loads of stuff with stats, but I also just quite like at times going the league table. So they've, lo- they've played fourteen games. They've, only- they've played five games against teams who are in the top ten, and they've lost them all. And the next phase of this is they are—they have only scored sixteen league goals from their fourteen games. They've only scored sixteen league goals. <laughs> to be crystal clear, the teams—well, Manchester so- City have conceded what <laughs> nine in their last. So, <laughs> at the minute, right? at the minute, they've scored sixteen. Eight, sorry, yeah. Liverpool have scored thirty-two. City have scored 36, Villa have scored 33, Newcastle, who they played yesterday, and got beat by, have scored 32. Newcastle have conceded fewer goals than Manchester United, so have Manchester City, so have Liverpool. Arsenal have scored 29, they've only conceded 11, they are uh, the side who are keeping it tightest at the back, but they've scored 29 goals, which is 13 more than Manchester United in 14 games. Mm. Arsenal have quite literally scoring a goal a game more than Man United. And I've got a better defensive record. This is the point where genuinely anyone with any sense looks at this and goes, This is so dysfunctional, it's hard to put into words. Listen, they've got Chelsea at home midweek, and there's a fighting chance that they get a result against Chelsea, you know, because Chelsea are a bit weird at the minute, they're a bit odd. Um this is the problem all the way through, which is that I don't think he, I actually don't think he's that bad a manager, and that I think he can set a team up. I'm actually quite concerned about when they come to Anfield, and the reason why I'm quite concerned is because I think that he's now at the point where he can set them up to come to Anfield to play with such humility they could get a result I think part of his mind doesn't work at Newcastle do you think,
2: is, the, they think, do you think the players have got that in them though? No, because I don't
1: I, but I think I think he can at least have the argument with it them it goes
2: back to what you were talking about before and I just don't think it
1: but but I think but,
2: but for instance
1: a couple of those players for instance Rashford under Solskjaer showed that humility I think, I think that it's different I think Newcastle was harder Because they beat them In a cup final last year They finished, up, they finished above them Every year Everyone who's played For Man United Has finished <laughs> above Newcastle Every year I think it's different Possibly with Liverpool Where he can go You know what We got embarrassed Against City We got beat by Newcastle And they battered us So what we need to do To get through this game Is this low block thing And hit them on the break And I think there's a chance They could try and do that I don't think it'll be An easy game for Liverpool I really don't Because I think that He can really batter Some humility into them And set them up as a one-off this is what we do to get something out of this game against Liverpool and by the way will not we all feel great if we pull that off Now, I still think that we should beat them at Anfield don't get me wrong but I think it might be a bit harder than we currently think looking at this record and looking at the games they've got to come I think it might be a bit harder because I think there's some sort of tipping point where a manager is able to say to a football team what you think is a good is a shit <laughs> let's go through this and this is why at which point they might be able to say to him well we're shit because you're not setting us up right and this is the problem but I think that the idea of being able to say you know you make those people happy you make them happy by defending for your fucking lives at Anfield that's how you make them happy and that's what you're going to do and that's how it's going to work so I think there's a chance that that's a really hard game for us off the back of the fact that good players, and they do have a number of good players—not great ones—but good players committed to a deep lying, last ditch fight for your lives defense can get something out of football matches. It's always been thus, and it always will be. All of that said, I just think they're an absolute mess, and I think every three months that passes, they become more of a mess, and it's like. It's like someone who's who, who who gets themselves trapped on barbed wire and just keeps spinning around barbed wire until all they've got is loads of barbed wire digging <laughs> yeah, into you, them.
2: You, you think about them relative to where we were after we didn't win the league, and I think I think this is the treble winning season, isn't it, from our point of view? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eleven. yeah. But so you got to remember is we had the league where we had the chance of winning the title in April. <laughs> Didn't win it, and we came fourth in a two horse race. But we still, we're still in that position. Like I feel like we were never. We managed to go thirty years without winning a league title. I don't think we were ever in this bad a mess. And I think also, we had bad. much more fun. I think we were bad, and there were times when we were like quite bad. Like there was the the period. We probably had our worst the earliest, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah like we were. probably like sort of ninety. Yeah, 90 we come, I think we come eighth. And yeah. 90, well We haven't finished below yeah. eight for
1: sixty years, which yeah. is like a, a really fun statistic. Yeah,
2: since we got since we got promoted, <laughs> I think it might be.
1: I used to say that Manchester United were doing all of the Liverpool managers, but just in the wrong order. <laughs> now I don't think that's the case. I think that this one, I can't quite pin this fella against some of the I other think ones. He, Phil Taylor. Uh, which is quite something uh, Which is quite something Not the darts player Not the darts player To be crystal clear And a Very very big Manchester United supporter
0: I'll is sign somebody's... the back of their I'll sign the, back of their <laughs> the fuck they want I can't believe he does his post What a shock Port um, Vale Yes, He's
2: Port Vale you know He's Port Vale Phil Taylor
0: Okay Just just to finish up On a couple of other Little things from Saturday uh, It was annoying uh, The Everton results Phil But I made up for Burnley and that I, I still think obviously still think they're going to go down I think most people do but they ju- I just think they deserved a nice afternoon and they got one and it's a 5-0 and, and yeah Sheffield United are getting a nice afternoon anytime soon it doesn't doesn't seem I mean they play us on Wednesday night yeah. but uh, we'll, we'll you know so let's not speak too early um, but <laughs> like just, you know, I was, I mean, Neil's going to speak to Nasty Romney later, I think, for another show and stuff like that, and that'll be a look ahead to Wednesday when or Tuesday, whenever they play, but I'm sure, I'm sure Saturday will be touched on, because it was just getting a bit grim for them, and then, that, if they'd have lost that, that's really grim, that's eight, eight losses from eight in the league, and then you lose it against the other team, you look bad, but yeah, you who know, do There's
2: a really funny video knocking around on Twitter, some Sheffield United fans walking, down the street before the game, singing "We're Sheffield United, we're shitter than you." And a Burnley fan goes, "No, you're not." <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking brilliant, and he was wrong. Superb, yeah, and he was he was resoundingly proved wrong. I don't know if you've seen that images that preceded unfortunate events on Twitter, and someone's clipped that and they've put the uh, we're under, the Sheffield United account going nil-nil, we're underway at, at um, Turf Moor, which probably must have been tweeted after the goal. It, I
1: mean, <laughs> like, it almost, uh, must uh, have I, been. It, it certainly be <laughs> it must have goal. been red after the goal. close.
2: But, yeah, I mean, didn't doesn't feel like Sheffield United held themselves with um, McBurney getting that red card. It sort of feels like 2-0 half-time, they're probably not out of it, but 2-0 down at half-time with out your centre-forward who's your, your focal point to the attack. It also doesn't help them on Wednesday because I feel like he's somebody who he could have called his ballroom's in a similar you know, way to him and us did yeah, today yeah exactly Like you, he can just be by nation.
1: the way he can fuck off
2: Yeah, that, I'm sick I of this I think he's had two good games in four years Neil and they've <laughs> the, for fucking outfield he's yeah.
1: like fucking Pelé when he Honestly, rocks
2: up Van Dyke's like sees, is he for fucking He real? sees the he sees the Shantley Gates and he's like Lads, this is my time to shine. Honestly, he played like Graham Sharp.
1: And like a man who fucking loves Graham Sharp. He managed to combine the two states of being (laughs) akin to and actually an adorer of Graham
2: Sharp. (laughs) Not bad. Um, I mean, Burnley have probably deserved that after their, what, is that their eighth home game and they've lost seven of them or something? They they were seven from seven losses, yeah. Some effort that to lose, you know, zero points after seven games and Mm. be going into December. But yeah, they've. I think they've been on a pretty long journey this season, barely about learning about what they are and and where they find themselves and where they're going to be next season. I think I think they're probably still fully aware that they're probably going to yeah. get relegated, but you know they they still allowed to have a nice time and the next home game I think is against Everton. So if they if they go into that on in a confident way and manage to beat Everton with the points deduction, sort of looking at it and going, oh, I haven't gone. Okay, well. This is where we are and it's Christmas and we'll just see where we are, don't the second set of seasons improve. I don't I don't necessarily think it will, but they can they only have to tell themselves a story to to be able but, to believe it, don't it, they? Tell
0: yourself a story, Neil. And I, I don't know if you've, you've seen the Ipswich goal from yesterday. Oh, it's beautiful. But I'm watching it, and this is the sad thing about football and life is that I'm watching this Ipswich goal thinking, I know how this ends. <laughs> and it's getting swatted in the Premier League next season, and that's quite sad, isn't it? Like so I hope the Ipswich fans Looked at it very differently because it's some goal, but I'm like... The first thing I thought of, obviously, was, well... This will—you'll either try this next year and be shit,
2: or just come up and then do something. They got last year, so if they complain about it, they can go. I know, I know they, probably,
0: they probably won't, <laughs> but I'm like, but I sort of maybe me and my colt away needed that from <laughs> Burnley, maybe even more than the Burnley fans did.
1: Yeah. So the Burnley, the Burnley problem is this: they've won two games this season, once against Luton and once against Sheffield United, and also they deserve to win. Certainly, first half against Luton, they weren't great. Second half against
2: Luton, but first I half, I think the, the draw team. probably would have been fair on the balance of play. That yeah, game the way, but, the way Luton reacted to them, well, yeah, they got it, but they grounded out and got. It yeah, and that that
1: got it done. Uh, but also, as I say, first half, they, they, they go on 1-0, It should be 2-0. Uh, Burnley, Luton can't cope with it. And then suddenly, second half, they sharpen up. They've got also a point uh, away at Forest, which is a good point. They've got beat away at Bournemouth and deserve to get beat. My point is this. They look like a side that could really do well in the championship next season. And that's that's the core problem, really. And it
2: has been all the way through. Your rips, which thing, I couldn't agree more, really. <laughs> Like, Do you know when I knew Burnley were getting relegated this season, by the way? When they played Manchester United in the League Cup in December? Yeah. Yeah. And, man, and they just went to All Trafford and it was like, yeah, this isn't working, mate.
1: No, it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way around. And that was... That was... Deep into last season. I think I I think it's I think it's gonna go the way it's gonna go, but I, I think they need to have more fun along the way and I think they'd stop believing and stopped having fun, which is a major, major issue uh when you when it begins to sort of go in that general direction. The thing I will point out is they haven't played the following teams yet at home. They haven't played Wolves, Fulham, uh Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth, Luton, Everton or Brentford at home. Which therefore
2: suggests they have had a horrible season.
1: Yeah, games, yeah. So of everyone playing. who currently sits in the in the in the bottom ten, the only and and we can include, um, yeah, uh, everyone who currently sits in the bottom ten, uh, the only uh, two teams that played are Palace and Sheffield U, they got beat by Palace and they deserved to, although Palace didn't do much, and they beat Sheffield U five nil. So I think from a Burnley point of view, that's what they've got to almost take heart from and and, and try to enjoy the rest of the season. I personally think. I, I don't quite see a world where they're not going back down. I think it's really, really difficult to envisage. Even if they would, for instance, beat Everton at Turf more, I still think they're going back down. And that's just the way it is. And everyone's got to get on board with it and cop for it. But I think that everyone is on board for it and copping for it. What they're not on board for or weren't on board for or copping for was getting fucking beat every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> it's so I think... thought they might get a draw every now and then. Yeah, day. exactly. At the very least. And also just sort of show a bit more. Like the the one 0 against to get a one nil against United and a two one against West Ham and every other game is dead going into the last five minutes. And I think that's the other thing you can't have And that's what Luton have been really good at, actually, with the exception of this one against Brentford away from home, a couple of others away from home. Luton have been really good at keeping games alive until the last 10 minutes, if you see what I mean. Like, this could still go either way, or more accurately, of three ways. It could at least go two ways. Uh, Burnley haven't been good at that, With a bit of little build on it from there. I think it's a significant win because I think that they'll at least feel like there's a bit of pride in at least not being the very worst of a season where there's maybe three teams who everyone thinks just aren't quite good enough. You don't want to be the worst one. So maybe, just maybe. I mean, Sheffield United's expected goals per game, by the way, is 2.00 as it stands. 2.00. It's an insane level of XG conceded, the extent to which there's just no... Like it is bottom percentile across Europe's top five leagues. That level of the idea that every single time you set foot on the pitch in the Premier League, no matter who you face, your average, average uh, XG conceded is two. Because the problem with that is that over a period of time, you you will end up, if I say outperforming that, what I mean is the opposition will end up outperforming that because they're relaxed, because they're ahead in games, and it's easier to stroke it into the bottom corner. So as it stands, you know, it's the the XG is two, but they've conceded 39 goals in 14 games, mm. which is around 2.5. Because what happens is, as happened with Burnley, well, we're 3-0 up, we're going to make it 4-0 in a minute, everyone's relaxed, no one's stressed, they put it in the bottom corner, suddenly it's 4-0. And, and that's... That's literally the, the direction of travel of this. You know, if people are under pressure, they find it harder to hit ex- expected goals. If they're not under pressure, they will exceed expected goals. That's just the way football works. That is the way
0: football works. Uh, we're going to leave it there because it's 8 o'clock on Sunday night and Neil's still got calls to do. Uh, so there you Uh What a show. Uh, what a team. What a weekend. God bless the Premier <laughs> League. Up the heads. Sports Social Podcast Network.